Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's May 25th, 2023, and this is Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in Web3. I'm Matthew House Barbie, and as always, I'm here with my co-host Austin Knight. How you doing, Austin? Uh, I'm good, Matt. I'm back home uh, and immediately am wondering whether or not the U.S. is going to default on its debt. <laughs> uh, I uh, I think we're all wondering that. Meanwhile, over here, we're just inflating. So I don't know if you've I don't know if you've seen the UK dramatically missed the Bank of England's prediction for where we'd net out month over month on inflation. Not only was it a miss, but when you extract out energy, core inflation actually rose month over month, which has sent our bond market, uh, government bond market, into mayhem, huge sell-off, equaling the craziness of October, November time last year when we had Mm -hmm. the wonderful Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng delivering their unbelievable not so many mini budget so it's uh it's left people thinking over here we're in for maximum rate hikes max yeah. pain uh and we're actually i tweeted about this i think yesterday we our inflation rate is more now more than double us inflation which is pretty dramatic when when you think about that um man yeah Good times. Yeah. <laughs> At least Ron DeSantis's uh, Twitter spaces went well yesterday. <laughs> I didn't tune in, Matt. Uh, you'll have to fill me <laughs> on that. <laughs> oh, it's, it is just truly golden moments. So, yeah. For, so, obviously, DeSantis said he was going to run for uh, for president. He, he decides to do this over Twitter spaces. Mm. For, for mm. anyone listening, if you haven't seen it, it's car crash stuff. It's amazing. And Elon's like hosting and yeah, Twitter spaces just doesn't really work. It just, oh. it has a real fit. And there's like 20 minutes of silence and echo problems. It's, oh, I just honestly, I feel for the plethora of Twitter employees that are going to be fired off the back of that. <laughs> so it uh, didn't go so well. But then again, would not surprise me if that was just a, a publicity play because yeah it was it was on all of the news channels so oh sure who knows who knows what do i know anyway um <laughs> what we do know about is crypto so we've got some really interesting stories coming up today about bitcoin and its role with nfts uh some wild reports coming out of binance we continue to cover concerns there And then lastly, an update on DCG. Let's jump into our first story of the day right now. Bitcoin is now the second most popular blockchain for NFTs. That is not a sentence I thought that I would be saying this time last year. Um, you know, we've we've covered the ordinals craze that has continued to grow since we first covered it, I think in February of, of this year when that kind of first started out. 
in the and then we talked I, I can't remember whether this was last week or the week before where we were talking about BRC20 tokens uh, which are effectively still non-fungible uh, tokens that are supposed to be like Bitcoin's answer to ERC20 tokens that have been on an absolute tear a plummet a tear a plummet a tear so you know in, in typical meme coin fashion but here, here's something interesting and I think you know when I when it when we first started talking about ordinals, and I went down a huge rabbit hole at the very beginning of the year as um, Casey Rodemeyer launched kind of ordinal theory. And I was really unsure as to whether this would be kind of flash in the pan or whether this would have staying power. But pretty consistently since its launch, those involved in the cohort we would class as the Bitcoin maxis, have been adamant that this is not going to be a use case for Bitcoin. Bitcoin has a sole use case, um, and that's that. Well, in the past 30 days, it did $168.5 million worth of NFT sales volume. That is a very substantial amount. I mean, when you think about Ethereum, Ethereum has had years of, 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 a head start on Bitcoin from a non-fungible token perspective. And you could argue that one of the biggest value propositions was the introduction of the smart contract and NFTs, not necessarily from just the art perspective, but the, the, the technical um, kind of non-fungible tokens that Ethereum provided. So they, they are far ahead, but still, I mean, they did nearly 400 million in, in 30-day volume. So a bit more than double. In the same period. But when you actually go, okay, who's the closest runner up to Bitcoin right now? It's actually Solana. And they only did 55 million in sales. So, you know, Bitcoin is 3x that. That is when you start to say, okay, this is this is significant. Yes, we're kind of probably in the middle of the BRC20 hype cycle. Um, but and, and and it's worth pointing out that the BRC20 NFTs have been probably the most significant driver of this sales volume. I mean, the, the Audi token um, represents over 38 million of that to 168 million. Um, you can actually go check all this out on CryptoSlam.io. Uh, no affiliation, just a, a really great kind of NFT sales volume and other metrics tracker. But when you kind of carve down um, one kind of layer deeper away from the, the BRC20 collections, you've got both Space Pepes and Bitcoin Frogs, um, game-changing projects, I no, no <laughs> doubt. Um, <laughs> they've, they've done the, the greatest volume in kind of the PFP type space. Um, you know, over the past 30 days, those two projects have done 12.2 million and 9.5 million in sales volume, respectively. So... That's significant, and it looks like while meme coin season on Ethereum is, I would now say I'm calling it as over. Um, you know, most are down 80-90% from their highs. I think what is very clear is Bitcoin NFT season is starting to ramp up pretty quickly. Um, and I think there's a lot of excitement around it. There's a bit more infrastructure now. Um so yeah, I, I think this is a very interesting kind of time for for Bitcoin. It's obviously still very, very divisive. Um, 
transaction fees are growing and growing and growing. Block space is just crammed full. The real winners here, I think, are the Bitcoin miners, which I'm sure I'm mm. not necessarily complaining about all this, but definitely an interesting pivot. I am a fan of this, and I think less so because I think space pepes and Bitcoin frogs are going to change the world, but more I think that it will loosen the definition of what Bitcoin is all about and pave the way, like we've seen with Ethereum, towards more and more innovation on Bitcoin and the scaling solutions required. I was reading a white paper from um, a, a, a project called Arc, which has been getting a lot of, um, I guess, coverage uh, to a certain extent as a, a scaling solution that's comparative to the Lightning Network, but operates in a slightly different way. So I think this is, yeah, this Bitcoin's fun again. Uh, at least I think so. Uh, I don't know about you, Austin. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing to watch. Um, are you going to be buying any NFTs? Do you think? No, I've I've held my I've 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 held out on it. So the the one thing I am really happy about is you know when I was going down this rabbit hole, I really was doing this right at the very beginning. I actually minted uh, uh, in an NFT on Bitcoin using like ordinals uh, with with a little help from a an a much more technical programming friend of mine. And I think it was like the, it was like ordinal number 1,300, something like that. So, uh, and I think that's, I think we're now into the millions. Uh, so it's a pretty early uh, inscription that I, that I got to make on the Bitcoin blockchain. Still have that in my Bitcoin wallet, which zero desire to sell. But <laughs> even then, like for those sub 10, 10K inscriptions that were made, the floor price is, relatively sizable in the grand scheme of things. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty glad I did that, but I am staying the hell away from this. I've got plenty of other ways where I can lose money. Um, and I think for something like this, you just have to be on it every day, every few hours uh, to, to really kind of get in and get out quickly. But yeah. I do think there's going to be some interesting stuff and maybe there will be some real stay in power from some of these big projects that, that, have, uh, that have built out. Yeah. Well, speaking of losing money, let's talk about exchanges. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. This is a great transition. All right, let's jump in. Binance has been accused of commingling customer funds and company revenue, according to a Reuters report that just came out, which involved input from former insiders. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Straight out the FTX playbook. I love it. I love yeah, it. Replicate yeah. what's worked. <laughs> oh my gosh, Matt. It's like, we just, you know, we keep getting these sort of yellowish, maybe turning reddish flags now uh, with Binance. And it's like, oh, okay, this isn't like the end of the world, but this isn't maybe exactly what we would want to see out of the world's largest exchange. And I'll tell you what, this is definitely the biggest flag uh, yeah. that I think we've gotten so far. So what has happened is three former Binance insiders have claimed that the company commingled customer funds with company revenue in 2020 and 2021. One of the sources, which is a person with direct knowledge of Binance's group finances, said the sums ran into billions of dollars. A number that was cited later in the article was like potentially $18 billion-ish. And commingling happened almost daily 
and accounts held at, wait for it, (laughs) Silvergate Bank, the U.S. lender that collapsed in March. Now, Reuters couldn't independently verify the figures or the frequency, but they did review a bank record showing that on February 10th of 2021, Binance mixed $20 million from a corporate account with $15 million from an account that received customer money. Reuters. That's just not, I mean, that in itself, it's, you know, this peanuts money in the grand scheme of things, but mm-hmm. that points to not having good internal measures. If th- this is all allegedly right, but like, if that's the case, there should be measures in place to stop anything like that ever happening. It basically should be impossible for an internal team to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And that is also uh, what the U.S. law says. So Reuters, yeah. Reuters did, it, it is worth mentioning that Reuters found no evidence that Binance client monies were lost or taken, at least yet. Uh, but under U.S. financial regulations, customer money must be kept separate from business revenue. Okay, so this mm. isn't something that you can do under financial regulations in the U.S. or as far as I understand, most <laughs> most places that uh, that Binance would want to be operating. Um, so this is a, this is a red flag for sure. Now there are ways that Binance has attempted to explain this away. Uh, one of which is, you know, CZ uh, doesn't really seem to trust banks, and so if you look at the routing of the funds, there's a, there's this beautiful chart uh, slash diagram in the Reuters report um, that sort of tracks like where the money would go and how it would be exchanged through different accounts that were all based in the Cayman Islands and were controlled by different sort of corporate entities, all of which actually sort of filtered up to CZ himself. Um, It's a huge web of money moving hands. And you could interpret that as like some sort of fraud or potentially uh, tax evasion, or you could interpret it more generously uh, to be that CZ doesn't trust banks and feels that money needs to be moved around so that they don't lock down funds and like cripple Binance, you know, these sort of traditional banking institutions. The one thing I will say on this is like, like every single time that one of these yellow flags or red flags comes out about Binance, like CZ and the, you know, sort of Binance PR team and their spokesperson people always take like this sort of like super nonchalant, like laid back approach where they're like, Oh no, like it's no big deal. It's just this, like chill out that type of thing. Uh, and it's starting to get a little old, you know, to, to be frank. Um, and this is something that has, has continued with this report beyond even that, that sort of speculation regarding, you know, sort of CZ's motives and approach here. Binance has outright denied co-mingling customer funds and its revenue. In fact, Brad Jaffe, who is the Binance spokesperson, said, quote, these accounts were not used to accept user deposits. They were used to facilitate user purchases of cryptocurrencies. He went on to say, there was no commingling at any time because these are 100% corporate funds. Okay, so that's a pretty clear denial. But mm-hmm. where it gets bizarre is that they go on to make a claim saying that users weren't depositing funds when they sent money to their account at Binance, but instead they were purchasing BUSD, which is Binance's stable coin. And Hmm. Brad Jaffe actually went on to say 
quote, it's exactly the same thing as buying a product from Amazon. I, I do not, I, I cannot follow yeah. like, <laughs> Uh the, the use of the word exactly is yeah. dubious. Yeah. <laughs> In the sense that money leaves your account. Yes, it's the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's where the comparison stops. <laughs> So here's the thing. Uh, Reuters went on to ask Binance if it ever told its users that it considered their dollar deposits as constituting, quote, purchases. And then Binance did not provide any evidence of this. And they said that the term deposit is a communication term. It's not an indication of the technical treatment of the funds. So this is basically like, um, um, well, actually, uh, technically, a deposit is a communication term. Like, that's that's what they're proceeding with here, which, you know, I think that's just like generally concerning, right? When you start to see their team kind of getting backed into this corner where they're having to like pull technicalities and things like that, uh, that's a concern. And what's maybe an even larger concern is that in late 2020 and during 2021, Binance's website said that customer dollar transfers were, quote, deposits that were credited to trading accounts in BUSD. And it also said that users were able to, quote, withdraw deposits in USD. So that paints a different picture to the customers. And in fact, a former SEC official was quoted in the Reuters report saying, quote, the language created the expectation that clients' funds would be safeguarded in the same way as traditional cash deposits. I think that's generally how people would feel about that. Yep, I agree. It's it's. I think the thing that's really difficult here is you know it's it's a black box, right? We have we have no idea on what we're. I don't think anybody, including all of Binance's competitors, wants Binance to go down. Like, yeah. like we, we want, we don't need another collapse. We've seen what happens to everyone in the space when a big player goes down like FTX. The, the only hope you can have is that this is just kind of really poor from the comms team and they're just not doing a great job of explaining. I, I will point out, right, that I definitely lean on the side of skepticism um in mm-hmm. in through through the respect that i would lean towards more believing these claims than to not believe them as in the reuters claims mm-hmm. at the same time if i took a, a an objective view and you know it it wouldn't be too difficult to spin up a narrative get some fake bank statements right and, yeah so I, I will point that out it it is. It wouldn't be particularly difficult. I, I would find it hard to believe that a publication like Reuters would not have done a ton of diligence in this before they were to publish what is a very... It's an expose. Like They have put mm-hmm. a lot of work into this. This isn't just like a quick press release type style thing. It's it's a big deal, this report. Yeah. I, I, I tend to feel the same way. I would say, you know, just... Purely based off of gut reaction from reading the report, as you said, it's it's a huge report. It's thousands of words. It's really it appears to be really well researched and well done. But you know, it is ultimately sort of depending on what three former anonymous insiders had to say, and the documentation that's provided is limited in its scope 
you know, compared to the sort of implications that are made in the report. And my gut reaction reading it is, I would say my bias personally is to not trust Binance. Um, and it's been that way for years. Yeah. Uh, so this definitely kind of tracks with how I generally feel about things. And I was acutely aware of that as I was reading the report. And even so, there were moments where, you know, you would, you would sort of like read a claim. And then my actual initial gut reaction was like, oh gosh, is that just corporate structuring? That's kind of like being twisted to look a little weird, you know, where like your layman wouldn't necessarily understand why Mm -hmm. an exchange might sort of structure their accounts in a certain way or sort of, you know, run their tax reporting in a certain way or, or whatever it may be. I don't totally know, but to your point, Matt, what I do know is two things. One, I don't generally trust Binance. And I think that this is just, this is not like the, the silver bullet or the nail in the coffin on Binance or anything like that. It's not the thing that like definitively tells me that something is wrong here, but it is just like another dot on this like huge dot plot <laughs> that we have. Yeah, I mean, we've got of- the CFTC investigation. Mm-hmm. We've got the, 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 this is a series of events. And I think we've been trained now from being in the space for long enough to err on the side of, of caution. Yes. Um, With that said, on the other side, there is a lot of demand and appetite for Binance FUD right now in the media, I would say. So I I could see Reuters kind of, you know, being incentivized to entertain what these insiders have to say and and everything like that. Uh, But yeah, you mentioned the, the CFTC investigation. You may recall in March, the CFTC or the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. So they're, you know, uh, they play a huge role in, in regulating uh, crypto in the U.S., accused Binance of operating in the U.S. illegally and said that it had broken several financial laws. And actually, in its complaint, the CFTC said that Binance had, quote, commingled funds. Mm. So yeah. that is interesting to look at that now in retrospect with this Reuters report. Um, you could say, well, maybe actually that sort of accusi- you, accusation prompted the Reuters report. That's totally possible. Um, but I don't know. That's like another, you know, uh, flag there. And you may also note that Binance recently exited Canada due to tightening crypto regulations. And technically, Binance claims that they don't operate in the U.S. or allow U.S. Based, US-based customers on their platform. But I think we all know that's definitely not the case. I mean, there are loopholes and, and ways around that. And they have they do have a, a pretty, you know, considerable uh, US-based uh, constituency of, of customers. So definitely. And, and they recently pulled out of Australia as well, the mm-hmm. UK, they've yep. had a tightening on banking rails. And it's all coming from banking rails, right? They're losing their banking rails. Mm-hmm. And you've got to ask a little bit why that's happening. And yeah. uh, it's it's definitely a crypto problem, not just a Binance problem. It is becoming increasingly difficult to have strong banking partners that aren't completely spooked, especially as regulations are being like tied up. And I think this probably adds to the, the challenge that Binance face where they they have a lot of negative news around them and it would probably be a higher risk than maybe them working with other exchanges. But yeah. Yeah. Now just to contextualize this a a little bit and kind of tie the bow on this story on Tuesday, it came out that federal prosecutors have accumulated over 6 million pages 
of evidence as part of their criminal case against SBF for what happened at FTX, which included commingling customer funds, you may recall. So Six this is million page. Yeah. Wild. What? How do you, what? <laughs> like, going, who is going to like, can we just pause a moment? Right. Okay. Let's just start with how, how on earth do you transport that? Like, cause I, yeah. I, I know for a fact, someone's printing that. You're basically just shredding <laughs> trees at the printer uh, to get that one out. How how do you even build that many pages of anything? Mm-hmm. I, it it's that is phenomenal. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, as we know, the whole FTX piece, the punchline was the commingling of customer funds. Whenever mm-hmm. we hear it, it's uh, it's a it's a huge alarm bell. I think the next the next few months are, are really going to be i think we're going to be talking about binance a lot Mm -hmm. um and this isn't going to be the last we hear of this piece in particular and as we start to see more coming from the cftc investigation that's where i think we start to decide how worried we are um so yeah yeah all right so from exchanges to loan payments oh yeah (laughs) let's jump in (laughs) (laughs) let's jump into our final story of the day we've got some interesting updates on dcg coming up next you're probably all aware by now we've covered this a fair bit that digital currency group dcg the parent company to genesis and grayscale who run the grayscale uh bitcoin uh investment trust uh, then they've they've had a, a little bit of beef with uh, Gemini, that is the US-based crypto exchange ran by the Winklevi, uh, the, the Winklevoss <laughs> twins. Uh, they, there's been a bit of an update. So we've been kind of talking a lot, and I think context for any of you that are slightly out of the loop in what's gone on here, Genesis defaulted on um a, a basically like uh, well first of all genesis went bankrupt right and genesis was the crypto lending firm that was powering gemini's i know it's confusing genesis gemini gemini the exchange's earn product so where you could basically stake and yield and genesis would pay interest on that but it was all kind of white labeled when genesis went bankrupt Gemini customers took the hit on their earn product. Um, now, alongside that, uh, Gemini had loaned uh, cash to Digital Currency Group, and they had a loan payment that was due last week, last Friday, I believe it was, of, well, the first loan payment was due, $630 million. DCG have not paid this loan. Um, and this, we, we, we did cover kind of um, some of this previously, but the this is kind of the big red flag that we're seeing now. So Gemini posted a statement on its website um, on the date of this, this payment being missed uh, that included the following. So they said, Digital Currency Group, Uh, The parent company of Genesis uh, did not pay the approximately $630 million that came due last week. Genesis, the Unsecured Creditors Committee, and the ad hoc group of creditors and Gemini are considering whether to provide 
a forbearance to DCG to avoid a DCG default. Consideration will be based in part on whether the parties believe DCG will engage in good faith negotiations on a consensual deal. Um, so this is particularly important when we talk about a potential DCG default and what that might mean. They, they kind of go on to say, um, in the event that a deal cannot be reached, Gemini, along with the other parties, is working with Genesis to suggest terms for an amended plan of reorganization that could be advanced without DCG's consensual participation. This, this is a, a pretty significant statement in amongst all of this, and we haven't really heard much from DCG in response, but the worst case outcome, I think, here is that this ends up toppling DCG, which is, you know, the owner of Genesis, but I think almost more importantly at this stage, also owns Grayscale, which runs the Grayscale Bitcoin in uh, Bitcoin Trust GBTC, which we've talked about a lot, which would have very significant repercussions in the space if this ended up having to be unwound. And <clears throat> something is worth kind of talking a little bit, uh, researching a little bit out if you're interested is like Gem Gemini is also preparing what they're calling the Gemini master claim, which is pursuing the recovery of more than $1.1 billion worth of crypto um, that they claim is owed by Genesis. And they they claim that Genesis has refused to return funds to as many as 232,000 Gemini users that were part of the Gemini Earn program and that had active loans as of January 19th, 2023. So, I mean... The, the the Gemini team really are trying to do right by customers here. They also, I mean, something, something, you talk about Binance, right? Something is deeply wrong at DCG. And the silence so far of Barry Silbert and co is probably telling in all of this. And I, I got to say, them missing this loan payment is got me fearing the worst so i guess we'll kind of see how that plays out there's i think this week there's probably going to be updates on this we'll probably have more today next week but it's we covered this last year and we were talking about some of the outcomes of of a lot of this but dcg had been aggressively selling shares and have been up until now in the bitcoin uh trust and their that ETF that they have. Well, technically it's not an ETF at this stage, um, or at least not a spot ETF. And uh, to kind of try and raise funds. So things are not looking great on, on that side of the world. Um, and we just hope that there's nothing that's going to kind of topple off the back of it. But the Binance situation is clearly not going to help with that. Uh, and we'll, <laughs> we'll kind of see how, how a lot of this plays out. I think, um, you know, there's on the, on the bright side, we talked a little bit about Bitcoin NFTs. There's been some interesting stuff happening in the NFT space as well. Alongside all this, I know Nike dropped their uh, Nike swoosh um, NFT mint that they've been doing, which is kind of interesting. If you're, you're interested in kind of looking at that, a lot of, um, Big launches coming in the world of Yuga Labs as well with our upcoming new game uh, as well, uh, along with the the team behind Captains, which is Meme Land, their much anticipated meme token drop coming, I think soon. Uh, so 
There's still some good stuff happening. Kind of feels like right now, Austin, we're just going a little bit sideways as a market while we kind of just see what's kind of happening in the, the world of macro. But hopefully we're going to start seeing a little bit more activity. I feel like we peaked a little too early this year. Uh, still a long way to go, but we'll, we'll see. The summer months are usually a little quiet, maybe outside of 2020. But, um, you know, uh, there's a lot more to come, I'm sure. Yes, and we will be sure to cover all of that <laughs> right here on Offchain. <laughs> Matt, uh, I'll look forward to seeing you next week, man. Of course, as always, I'm sure we will bring more joyous, optimistic stories to, <laughs> to the table. We'll try and be more positive next week, um, except, you know, if finance collapses or something along oh, those my lines. Goodness. That'll, be, that'll be a little tough. Don't will uh, it into existence. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I don't want to be blamed by crypto Twitter. All right, Austin, I'll, uh, I'll see you next week. Talk to you then. Contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.